You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Not joining me is Frank Madden. I, I got so used to just saying joining me as always, but he is not joining me like he typically does. And uh, I thought about going solo, but you know, I have so many super basketball friends. Why not call one of them up and ask them to come along for the ride? And that's exactly what I did. Mitchell Marr, the editor or co-editor or person in charge-ish at Brew Hoop. Uh, I, I think I screwed up your title in every single way there, Mitchell. Mitchell, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. In charge-ish is exactly how I'd describe <laughs> my role at the website. Precisely. You got it spot on. Well, that's good. Uh, so you can always check out Mitchell's stuff over at Brew Hoop. Obviously, Frank and I both, uh, both spent some time there. Uh, Frank, obviously created the website i just kind of hung out there for a year or so uh so we both kind of got our starts there and uh mitchell is still still plugging away and they're still doing doing great stuff and they have a huge staff now and millions of young intrepid reporters that are asking questions during my press conferences uh so <laughs> i'm just playing yeah, that's true yeah I, I definitely don't mean to have them uh boxing you out of position so to speak <laughs> but yeah shout out to gabe shout out to rachel for uh for getting up there and doing a hard job i don't know if i'd be able to you know show the courage to actually ask a question to an nba head coach you know on the spot like that i don't know if i could do that but they did just like you do so i'm proud of them yeah no it's it's been good and they're doing a great job and it's funny i know they were they were talking to me a little bit about how to kind of form a question and i just joked with them that man i haven't thought about that in so long like i just asked so many <laughs> crappy questions at this point that like caring about the quality of my question has just kind of gone out the door i i, I asked too many i'm just i'm like a nick young of uh <laughs> of the press corps, just just chucking them up there. So, uh, Mitchell, what I wanted to talk a little bit about tonight was obviously the Bucks have a game tomorrow on Saturday. By the time most of you listen to this on Friday morning on Saturday, they play the Dallas Mavericks, and mm-hmm. we can certainly preview that game a little bit, and we will here uh, to start the podcast. But then I kind of wanted to get into expectations for this team going forward it's something i brought up on last night's podcast um where i had mentioned that there's a chance here that the bucks can rattle off a a number of victories that they can put together a really impressive november and when i first told you that i needed some help tonight you said you wanted to take it even a step further and talk about the next two months so that's what we'll do uh but first we'll look at the dallas mavericks um i will tell you this when the Bucks first played the Hawks, I was not aware of how bad of a basketball team they were. Same. The Bucks are going to play the Dallas Mavericks tomorrow, and I am aware of how bad of a basketball team they are. They're, like, through, I mean, it's not, it's weird because it's not really anybody's fault. It's just because they weren't able to attract any new talent, and they have 
some key contributors that are hurt. You know, uh, Rick Carlisle is a warlock, but even he only has so much to work with, especially when, you know, Dirk is in his 19th season in the league. Yep. You know, we got you know lots of teams at the top. That just means there's lots of teams at the bottom, too. And Dallas is one of them this year. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you think about Nerland's Noel, and I think people were excited about that, and now that has not worked, and uh, he's not getting along with Rick Carlisle, and that's a mess, and uh, they took a chance on Wesley Matthews, and that really hasn't worked out, and Harrison Barnes was one of their big signings, and he's having a nice year, but still probably not exactly the the step up you wanted from him, and there's just not a lot of good stuff there. So you look at that team, they are uh, 20 27th in offensive rating according to basketball reference and 26th in defensive rating um so not a whole lot good going on there also they play the timberwolves on friday night so they will Mm. be coming off that it will be a back-to-back for them the bucks will be i guess comparatively well rested to both the mavericks and what they've been in this last four game stretch but this is a game that I feel very confident saying, and I very rarely feel confident saying this about Milwaukee Bucks teams, they should win this game. This is a game the Milwaukee Bucks should win. Will they win it? Obviously, that's still up in the air, but they should win this game. And I just, I don't I don't really know how else to break this team, that, that Mavericks team down. They're just kind of a mess. They're, obviously, they have Dennis Smith Jr., who's been really a lot of fun this year. He but, has been, yeah. But rookies are generally bad. Um, yep. They don't really contribute to winning basketball. Yogi Ferrell's out there. JJ Barea, like, there's there's not a lot good on that roster. So, yep. I, I, I'll I, go. I'll take it one further for you, Eric. I'll take it one further. Not only should they win this game, there is no excuse for why they can't win this game. You're thinking about it, especially since uh, the Bucks. I, I don't want to steal your line, but they are still undefeated in the Eric Bledsoe era. Um, <laughs> They have an actual, like, a quick player that can effectively defend at the point guard position playing as a team that is starting a rookie yep. in Dennis Smith Jr. And that also features J.J. Barea, who is, like, he's a good player. He's had a really good, productive career, but he's not. You're still J.J. Barea. You're still J.J. Barea, right? Devin Harris is hurt. Seth Curry, who is the lesser of the Curry brothers, is out because he's still dealing with rehabbing from uh, his his leg injury. Yep. So it's not only like the, the, the position that the Bucks struggle with the most historically has been point guard, and Dallas doesn't have any good point guards to really speak of that, especially now with Bledsoe and Brogdon being the lead points instead of Brogdon and Delhi, like There's no reason for them to get burned like they have in the past. You know, Harrison Barnes is a good player. He's a nice player. He's fine. There's no reason why Harrison Barnes should be able to do anything beyond his averages, which are, you know, what you'd expect from the lead player on a bad team. But there's just, there's, there's literally nobody, nobody, not a single soul on this current Dallas Mavericks team that gives me reason to pause and say, oh, well, maybe if this person does something. No, the Bucks have no excuse to, win this, to not win this game. No excuse whatsoever. Here's the spot on the Lockdown Bucks podcast that I remind you that we effectively called uh, 
Manu Ginobili uh, mean reversion game. So just be Shit. aware uh, that sometimes the the things you say on this podcast can come back to bite you. Uh, but yeah, I, I very much would agree there. Um, this is this is a game that the Milwaukee Bucks should win. I don't. I like I said before. I don't really know how to break it down any simpler than that. Um, there's there's no stat. I mean, maybe. Maybe you could say the the three point attempt rate. Um, yes, for, that's for, exactly exactly what I was looking at. For the Mavs, obviously, it's very high this year. Uh, obviously, that that throws a a little bit of volatility into the mix, and, and could mean if they get hot and put up a bunch of threes, maybe they can stick around and maybe they can win this game. But again, I just don't feel comfortable saying that there should ever be any doubt. There shouldn't. The Bucks should win this game. Period. Yeah, but that's also that's you know the new territory that we're in with actual expectations on this team instead of just the previous mantra that we have followed with oh well they're you know they're trying to get better they're trying to learn how to win like no there's, there's no more learning how to win there's just winning and then failure yep those are the only options that are available because the Bucks have a superstar and the Bucks have a collection of more than capable players that are around him and. I'll even go this far. I'll say that the Bucks have a coach that should, and I'm going to emphasize that word again, should be able to put the right players on the floor at the right times in order to put the team in a position to win. And this, like, this is a this is a great opportunity to tune up and get ready for the next stretch of games. Not that we should ever look past any team because these are still professional players, but there's no excuse. There's simply no excuse for the Bucks to do anything but win this game. I'll even say they should win it by double digits. Not that they would ever expect a blowout. You never know. You can never, yeah. ever, ever know. But anything that isn't ending in a W here is a huge, huge disappointment. So let's take a look kind of past this Dallas team. Obviously, you... I'm not on the team, so I can look past whoever I want. Like, I, I don't have to prepare for the next yep. game. Like, they shouldn't do that, but I can. I'm going to look as far into the future as I want. And I, I'm curious, again, you, you mentioned uh, the the undefeated start with Eric Bledsoe. Um, mm-hmm. The Bucks are 4-0 since they've added him. Um, it's clear that they've made a significant talent upgrade on the roster. And at the end of last night's podcast, I kind of ran through just the idea that you win against Dallas. That makes it five straight. Washington's a really tough game, so maybe you don't win that one. Okay, so it's five of six. Then you look at Phoenix, Utah, Sacramento. That those are three games that with Utah's injury to Rudy Gobert and them being generally lost offensively. Um that should be three more wins there. Uh, now, so, that is the West Coast wor- road trip that we're dealing with here. So This is very true. It's a little bit harder. It does, but there's there's no back-to-back in there. Uh, you go mm-hmm. Monday to Wednesday to Saturday to Tuesday. Uh, so that's three games that, again, I think you should win. Then you go to uh, Portland, which is going to be a tough game. But you close out this month, and realistically, you could win... Was that eight of nine, eight of ten? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. So eight, eight of ten to close out this month, and if you do that, you're looking at the top of the Eastern Conference. Like winning some games gets you to that spot. So 
I guess to me now the question is, is it fair to expect that? Because we keep talking about how Bledsoe's just kind of fit in and everything's kind of worked and they've won games. Um, but there should be a learning curve. There should be uh, some difficulties trying to figure out exactly how to play with each other. And yeah. do you expect that? Or do you think this is kind of a spot for the Bucks to finish out the month of November strong and head into December with the, a, a bunch of wins racked up. No, I, I do expect the latter. I expect them to really be able to take advantage of the kind, relatively kind schedule that they have to deal with, despite the difficulties of onboarding a brand new player coming from a completely different environment in Eric Bledsoe and losing somebody else who had been with the team for a couple of years in Greg Monroe, despite the fact that Moose had been hurt for a little while. And, you know, who knows when he would have actually come back. But that's the past. We're looking into the future. We're forward thinking here. Um, the, the, you know, the pitfalls of dealing with any new player on the roster, especially mid season, especially early in the season, like the Bucks uh, did by adding Bledsoe as early as they have, like, yeah, you're going to have a pretty tight learning curve, but you also have a player in Bledsoe who is like an ideal fit for everything the Bucks want to do and everybody that the Bucks have to do those things. So, yes, they should beat the Mavericks. No, beating the Wizards is a tall order. The Wizards are a good team. I still think that they have a weak bench, and I still think they're vulnerable. But, you know, the, John Wall is extremely good. Bradley Beal is extremely good. Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre and Marcin Gortat, like, those are all really good players. So I can see the Bucks struggling there. But Phoenix, Utah without Gobert, Sacramento, like, I, I honestly I haven't paid any attention to Sacramento because I can't see how Sacramento has any path to relevance, you know, going yeah. forward. And they play them twice. That that Portland game you mentioned is sandwiched around two Sacramento games, one there, one here in Milwaukee. And then they have to play, you know, Boston to to move in Boston and Detroit actually to move into December, but like that eight of ten figure you mentioned, like there is no reason why we can't expect that. Giannis has been okay recently chris started the season poorly and is now getting to be better you know bledsoe has been good but inefficient malcolm brogdon has probably been one of their more consistent players him and john henson which i still struggle to even <laughs> complete that sentence because it's so unfathomable given where we came into with him in the season uh, but expectations should be high for this team. I went on record several different times on several different platforms talking about how they should be aiming to win 50 games. You, I know, during media day were you know quick to press them on. Oh, are you actually talking about 50 or like no? They actually stuck to 50 as their number yep. for their internal expectations. Like this is where you build it. This yep. is where you bank up those wins. Yeah, and uh, I think that's a great point because. Obviously, good teams beat other good teams, but they don't lose to bad teams. That's that's yeah. the difference. Is yeah. you just find a way to win on those nights, and it's something that I've mentioned in the last week. Is the Bucks just simply flat out out talenting people? And what I mean by that is, okay, maybe possessions aren't the crisp, the most crisp. Um, maybe rotations aren't entirely perfect yet. But at the end of the night, you have. Giannis Dedekumbo, you have Eric Bledsoe, you have Chris Middleton, you have Malcolm Brogdon, and you have 
a roster that's able to just flat out be better than other teams when they need to. And I, I gotta say, I, I'm a little bit surprised in exactly how that's gotten done. Um, because when you look at these games, I, I know I've started to add, uh, the advanced stats to like my score updates in, in games and yeah. kind of the, the thing that's been surprising to me has been the pace in all those games. And obviously it takes two to tango. So you do need a, another team that is going to play at a slower pace for you. Uh, and the bucks have played uh, a couple of those teams lately that may be able to help out in that regard, but it's been slow the mm-hmm. defense has been better than the offense. The defense in the last four games since the Bledsoe uh, acquisition, 96.8 as a defensive rating. That's uh, very good. That's um, very good. That's top five-ish uh, in the league good. Uh, offensive rating, though, at 103.7, which is yeah. somewhere around 15 to 20 probably um, at the end of the year, maybe even a closer to that low end, closer to that 20. And I I know I've told Frank that I think this is a team that I I wouldn't be surprised at all if this was a top five offense and a middle of the road defense. Well, they've done the opposite. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know what to do with that because I I just think when I watch this team that they can turn it on. They can turn it on defensively, but... I don't know if they can do that consistently. So after these four games, have your have your expectations of what this team looks like or will look like for the rest of the season changed at all? Or is it a similar spot? Because obviously I didn't get – I talked to Frank about this, but I yeah. never got your opinion. Do you think this is a team that leans more heavily defensively? Do you think this is a team that leans more heavily offensively? Um, how does this team find its way – to winning games the rest of the season. So I want to say that even with as you know a fundamental shift as adding a talented player like Eric Bledsoe presents for a team, I want to say that it shouldn't change how we expect this team to find success this season and that they should have a, a high-level offense, whereas the defense is, you know, going to struggle for a number of reasons most of them schematic as many many people in my and your mentions <laughs> will be quick to point out yes but but over the past four games like Bledsoe's impact on the defensive end has been really remarkable and I think that the not just the energy that he brings which is considerable but he also communicates really well yep. which I don't not to say that the team was communicating poorly before but I just don't think that, you know, maybe it's Delhi's accent being from Down Under, <laughs> or if, you know, Malcolm Brogdon is just like too verbose with yeah. it. Not that he is. I, you know, I, I couldn't say that. But wh- whatever it is, like, like Bledsoe's communication has been really remarkable and really infectious in the rest of the team. And I can definitely see their floor on the defensive end be raised. However, I still think that their path to success this year is predicated on having a high-level offense. And the reason for that is that Giannis, when he started the season, was had ungodly numbers on even more ungodly efficiency. I don't, I don't remember what his true shooting percentage was for like the first 10 games or something. I know it was north of, I think it was like 62 or 64, something yeah. ridiculous like that. Um, but he's taken a couple of hits 
recently. Like he his he's been off his game recently. That's yeah. just the way it is. You know, he's going to bounce back into form, and hopefully, we're seeing Chris Middleton's return to form, like we saw. You know, last night or uh, oh, no. you're one of those people. Well, I'm just saying, like, like Chris Middleton had such a hard slump. Like, it was it, it was really difficult to avoid questioning whether or not, you know, whether or not that struggle was going to last longer than it usually does. You know, like I'm I'm, I'm still I don't cute. know. I'm I do, sorry. I do not know uh, <laughs> because I, I tweeted it out today. Like, there's six dudes in the league right now averaging eighteen five and five or more and granted that's a totally unfair totally arbitrary place to select criteria don't get me wrong i understand that but the other five dudes on that list like they're stars like super stars like the really (laughs) incredibly good basketball players and all i can think is chris is on that list now and he's shooting 32 percent from three uh like it's it's only going to get better and certainly is shooting and again how things shake out with the usage and stuff um but yeah i don't don't know i and it it was kind of surprising like i like i mentioned on yesterday's pod when he said like you know i've been being lazy and i wasn't working as hard as i normally do shocks me absolutely shocked me to hear that again i had no idea and then in my mentions there was like eight people that were like oh yeah he was lazy on the backside he wasn't running stuff (laughs) i was like come on like again maybe you did actually see that but also so many people dislike or i don't even want to say dislike chris milton just has an easy game to hate uh like so many people want to find those things that my mentions were full of people like oh yeah he was lazy and it was just like okay whatever um sorry that that kind of moved us off the point but i I I, i'm just man i'm not sure i'm ready to buy this team as elite defensively because of all those schematic problems but then yeah every i mean every game since then there's been at least i think in every single one of those games there's been at least one quarter where you're like damn like mm-hmm. they, they can really put it on teams like san antonio um it was that third quarter uh yep. when you detroit uh the first three quarters, they they were putting it on them, but especially yeah. in that third quarter there as well. Um, Memphis, did, I think it ended up being the third quarter where th- they give up just twelve points there, and uh, against the Lakers, I don't know if they ever had that one quarter where I thought it, it was just like okay, they're just better than the Lakers. Um, mm-hmm. But every single night, there's either one quarter where you think, "Wow, this defense is really impressive," or you think for five straight possessions like wow this team has no idea how to get to the basket how to move the ball how to get open shots like how to do anything uh, against the bucks so part of me wants to start thinking that that could could actually be a possibility um but man i i just uh, i mean every time we've thought okay they found something that can uh, overcome the scheme. They can find something uh, where they just have enough talent, like whatever it is. And I just think back to last year, and it was in like November and December. I remember looking up. There was like three coaches in a row that came to the Bradley Center and mentioned how well the Bucks contest three pointers. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like 
certainly there there's a ton of coach speak and coaches bullshit all the time so like i get it like they need to answer the questions that they're asked and then i looked at the numbers and it was like oh they do have one of the highest contest rates like maybe there's something there and teams aren't shooting the three very well against the bucks and I knew better. Like, I knew that if you give up a ton of threes, if you give up a ton of corner threes, it's going to hurt at some point. But I just kept wanting to think, like, oh, maybe the Bucks are onto something, and the Bucks weren't onto something. They, d- they didn't have something figured out. <laughs> like, giving up all those right. threes and giving up that shot profile was a bad idea. Um, and we still have seen some of those corner threes. Obviously, the Bucks have done a little bit better job this year keeping teams out of the corners, um, but they're still giving up a bunch of shots at the corners and at the rim. So yeah. I, I see that defensive rain after four games and want to get excited, but I've been hurt too many times at this point to believe it but i don't know can you do anything to convince me that it is is any more real or are you kind of in the same wagon no i i I think that any amount of trepidation from a four game sample with a new player who takes such a huge role and shifts so many other players roles on the team like you know malcolm brogdon is on the bench now where he was the starter you know delhi is now what the fourth or fifth guard on the team which i think is a good thing and many fans will agree you know tony snell has even less you know time with the ball that he has to worry about you know deandre liggins is able to go out there and do everything he does so well without having to hopefully ever dribble basketball ever again (laughs) i'm convinced that if he and i like were in parallel universes i think i would last a split second longer than liggins on the fast break without losing the ball oh wow the, I, I think I mean my handle's okay, Eric. Okay. My handle's okay. okay. I'm just saying. I've never hooped with you. Um, I can't. I cannot speak to it. Oh man! I mean, one of these times when I finally make it up to Wisconsin, we have to hoop. We okay. have to. Okay. I mean, my my knees aren't great, but my knees are good enough. That's so fine. We'll make That'll it, do. We'll make it work. Anyway, but going back to the defense versus the offense, um, what we've seen over the past twelve games is you know a lot of activity, a lot of activity. Still, these moments where the defense breaks down and something gets given up, that's going to happen regardless. I mean, honestly, just because our scheme that Jason Kidd employs is more prone to it doesn't mean that any defense isn't prone to being exposed at some point. Every single NBA team is comprised of professionals, despite the fact that some teams are better than others. It's just the way it is. But here's my question to you. Is it possible? Is there a universe in all of reality that exists in which – that one lockdown quarter that the Bucks can like flip the switch and turn on where you only get, you know, 12, 13, 15 points in that quarter, is that enough where it can kind of help give the team that space it needs to build up a lead it can sustain till the end, despite the fact that the defensive rating may not necess- you know, may not necessarily increase in ranking overall when you average everything out. But is it is that one stretch of time when everything is clicking and everything for the opponent is stifled while the Bucks offense is able to plot ahead? Do you think that's enough? I think I you know, based on what we've seen in the past couple of games, at least against bad teams, I think it might be. Against good teams, jury's out. Yeah, I was gonna say I think back to the Memphis and Detroit game, and it was something that Giannis had mentioned after the game last night that they built up those leads with those awesome third quarters and then just let the other team in and ultimately ended up winning the game. But 
they let them back in and that's just not something uh that you can do so uh i think i think i'm still too skeptical of of that actually working out and maybe it's just because frank yells at me every time that i I mention (laughs) something like that you're safe you're safe here (laughs) uh but uh, ultimately I mean, I brought I brought the same idea up to Alex Boder last night uh, as well at the game, and I guess it just must be because they're like connected at the heart since they're the Brew Hoop like creators. But Alex was like, "No, man, you can't talk like that. Like, you can't you can't say stuff like, oh, you can just flip it on when you want to.' Um, and ultimately, you you I, I just don't, man. I want to think that that you can, um, but ultimately, I probably know that you can't. So uh, defensively, I think there's still questions there. And I guess to me, the saving grace is if the defense isn't that good, that's probably ultimately fine. I think the offense is going to be a lot better than middle of the pack as they start to figure things out because there's just simply too many weapons. And you're seeing some of those, you're seeing some of the plays that they're starting to figure out. Like they, they started, the game running a set that I really liked where it was a Middleton Middleton set a screen for Giannis on a side pick and roll. Giannis goes to the side sideline to his left hand and then Middleton gets a screen from Henson. So it's kind of like a flare look. And then that turns into a pick and roll and they ran it a couple times to start the game. And I was like, Oh, that's a really nice action. And mm-hmm. you're able to do some of those things. And then Bledsoe's still on the backside. So if ultimately if you swing it over there, then maybe the defense is already moving and Bledsoe's able to attack. And then you look in the fourth quarter and there's obviously uh, kind of figuring out how to use Giannis as I don't want to say a decoy because he's always a threat and right. saying decoy is just ultimately probably a little demeaning of his game because he's so good um, that I I don't think you would ever say he's a decoy, but just the idea of using his gravity as strange as that sounds um, as I, the, the, he's not a shooter. And we always think of the guys that have the most gravity, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, like all those guys, the Warriors have such a good offense because they have so much gravity, but Giannis kind of creates a different type of gravity. Um, and you, you just kind of see some of that. So you see Bledsoe run a pick and roll lay in the game with yeah. Giannis and he has that space for the jumper. You see Bledsoe run a pick and roll with Chris Middleton with two and a half minutes left. And then Middleton's able to kick it off for Bledsoe for three. So like, there's just so many options when the, those three guys are on the floor together and like that's not even adding in the possibility of closing with Malcolm Brogdon and then you have mm-hmm. another playmaker out on the floor um so I I just think the offense is going to continue to get better so I think it's fair to start to think about some of these things and you mentioned wanting to go a little bit further so let's go up until the new year uh yes, let's please. let's go to December um so Let's say in those in these final ten games, starting with the Bledsoe acquisition in November, you go eight of ten. Um, is is that an okay assumption? I, I, that might be a bit presumptuous, uh, but say you do go eight of ten. There, you start December versus Sacramento at home. Then you go at Boston, Detroit at Dallas, Utah at home. Mm-hmm. Then you go to New Orleans, the Bulls at home, back to back at Houston, then home against Cleveland, home against Charlotte, away back-to-back, Charlotte is doing the same thing, so you're going to Charlotte, it's one of those tandem ones, then 
home against Chicago, home against Minnesota, and at Oklahoma City. That month is obviously a little bit tougher, um, but in the same way, you have some games that, again, nothing's a gimme in the NBA. There's no way to say that that's a game that you absolutely are going to win, but when you go down the schedule and you see Sacramento, you see Dallas, you see Utah without Rudy Gobert, you see Chicago, uh, you see Chicago again. (laughs) You see some games there that... Are you thinking that heading into the new year, this is a team that that should be a third in the Eastern Conference? Is that I, is that too much, or is that too low? So if you if you look at the other two teams that are going to be at least as it stands currently above the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, let's just start from the top. Like Boston's tops right now. Yep. Boston beat Golden State tonight. Crazy. Like I don't know how. They came back in the third quarter down as much as they were. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was a considerable comeback. Yeah. And they ended up winning the game against like this Golden State team. Like That's impressive. Yes, it is. It really is. So I don't expect to catch up to Boston. Here's the thing with Detroit. I really do truly believe that Detroit is a better team than they were last year, for sure. Yeah. I still think they're overachieving. I do still think that. Andre Drummond being able to hit free throws is a huge win for them. Yep. Gigantic win. Even for them. just being able to hit 60% because he's a 38% career free throw right. shooter. That's massive. That's yes. absolutely. For as often as he gets fouled, that's massive. It keeps him on the floor longer. That's a great, great development for them. Avery Bradley, a very, very good player. You know, he, maybe he can't take any of the ball handling duties away from Reggie Jackson. And I know a lot of people like to trash Reggie Jackson for how much he pounds the rock. Um, but he's you know, still a talented player. All that being said, you know, Tobias Harris and his hot start and everything else, I still think that Detroit is overachieving a little bit. I don't know what their schedule looks like, but I would not be surprised to see Detroit fall back to earth a little bit. So looking at everybody else who is between Boston and Milwaukee in the East, like Washington, okay, Washington has a reasonable stake to stay in the top three of the East. The East Toronto, has gotten meaty. Like, let's say that. Like, so Boston 13-2, and two, Detroit 10-4, and four, then Washington, Toronto at 9-5, and five, Philly, Milwaukee, and New York at 8-6, and six, then Cleveland and Orlando at 8-7. and seven. So yep. that, that gets you to the top nine teams in the conference, and that's yep. all, all teams that, that are winning, that all have winning records, which is, um, yep. I think, so often te- people kind of trash the, the East, and I don't know, I would say the, the top, nine in the east is is pretty good um and so far and when i look at the the bottom six in the west lakers jazz clippers suns kings and mavs like there's some bad teams in there um so again maybe there's a little bit more balance this year but sorry continue no it's all good uh but in looking at those teams between boston and milwaukee in the east like I, res- I certainly respect Boston, even if I'm not really scared of them. I respect what Detroit has accomplished, and I'm definitely not scared of Detroit. And I think that Detroit is going to cr- you know, come back down a little bit from where they've started. Washington, Toronto, you know, they've definitely been known quantities for a while. Yep. I think that Washington, because of, they rely so much on the strength of their starting lineup, which is very good, covering up for the weaknesses of their bench, which is relatively bad. You know, that that's that's a little bit of a tenuous position. Toronto, I honestly I don't know if I've heard 
less about any other team than I've heard about <laughs> Toronto this year. Like, I think the last thing I remember reading or hearing about with the Raptors was how DeMar DeRozan was thinking about maybe shooting more threes this year. And that's like, that was the off season. That was yeah. Something. yeah. I would say the quick synopsis, uh, Lowry has been struggling a little bit. Their bench is awesome. Um, and they're nine and five. So they're just kind of yeah. doing what they're doing and they're probably going to figure some things out and probably yeah. be close to 50 wins at the end of the season. And then the last teams that are there are Philly and New York. That are right, right at the as of this recording, everybody's eight and six yep. in that group grouping of three. Um, Philly with Embiid and Simmons Woo! is looking is looking. Ugh. Tough. I, words escape me with how good they look. You know, Sim- Simmons. I think you know even without his shot, I think Simmons could have a Giannis light effect on the games that he plays. Yep. Um, Embiid, like, there's not enough words to describe Embiid <laughs> other than just, you know, like, I, I hope for the sake of just the NBA in general that he stays healthy. I'm still skeptical that he does long term, but, you know, like, he's, he's so freaking good. He's so freaking good. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, so, so the path to get ahead for Milwaukee is, you know, tough. No, make no mistake about it. But over the course of this next six week period, like they could bank up a ton of wins that could put them in a position to, you know, r- really have you know, be playing from a position of strength. Yep. In, in the middle of the season and towards the end of the season, as playoff seeding becomes more and more in the forefront of everybody's minds, like they've got a real chance to get themselves in a much much stronger position later on down the line by focusing. On taking care of business each and every game that they should take care of yep. coming up. I I wouldn't be shocked for them to be five or six games over five hundred by the new year. You know, honestly, they should be probably closer to seven or eight games over five hundred. I know that's a big ask, but they're good enough. Like Giannis yeah. is just as good, has just as big of an impact on you know Bucks games as Embiid does for Philly, or as Chris Stapps does for the Knicks, yep. or as you know, John Wall does for Washington. Like he's on that level. He's been on that level for more than a while now. Yep. And he's been, he's been in a little bit of a slump during this four game win streak. Maybe not slump, but he's not been at his best. Yeah, no, like, absolutely. And like, I, yeah. I think when you look at the schedule, I think that's the, that's the thing you, you have to, you have to get fat when you have a lot of stuff to eat. Like, that's that's kind of what you have to do in the NBA. Like there's going to be times where it's more difficult to pick up those wins and the Bucks went through a pretty tough stretch a tough stretch of their schedule to start the season. Um yeah, it was. those first 12 games like there there wasn't really a respite at, at any point. Um there there were a couple I'm trying to think um certainly Atlanta, but the rest of the time you're facing it's pretty solid basketball teams. Uh, yeah, the, even, the even Lakers, like Charlotte has disappointed a little bit, but Charlotte's like still got some real strong points to it. Correct. So like that first twelve was pretty rough, and now you're you're into a stretch of like you said five six weeks where you have a chance to really put yourself into a nice spot as you as you get into a, a tougher part of the schedule um, once you go into January. Um, but I think it's just really an exciting time and not even necessarily worrying about who may be in front of you with the standings and uh, all of that, like what, how you match up with them in the playoffs. Are they better than you? Like, 
who cares? Like at this point, like go beat the team that's on your schedule that you think you're better than, and go yeah. beat them and take care of your business and uh, put yourself in a nice spot when it comes to uh, that that next part of the season and to the new year. So, um, yep. I, I would totally agree with you, and I, I do think this is something worth considering. I think often on this podcast we end up. Um, Focusing very much on the the granular level, um, really getting in deep and not looking ahead. And um, looking ahead, there's a serious opportunity for this Bucks team uh, moving forward. So, um, yep. It's it's going to be some exciting times here for uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. One thing I, I've told a couple people, and I think I've told you as well, is obviously the Bledsoe acquisition is wonderful, but I really was kind of looking forward to what this team could have done during this stretch anyways. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember when the, the that day when the trade happened, I, I think I told you that, that it was just like, this is going to be fun, uh, obviously, to, to watch another player as talented as Eric Bledsoe enter the fray. But at the same time, it's it was going to be a time, I think, where the Bucks kind of got right. Uh, I thought it was going to be a time where they play enough bad teams that you, you're going to start to see everything normalize a little bit. You're going to see everyone start to play a little bit better. Chris yeah. Middleton was almost certainly... I know you, there's the slightest bit of doubt in some people, Mitchell, <laughs> uh, but he was almost certainly going to come back to earth with his three-point shooting. So um, I was excited for that without Bledsoe, but now with Bledsoe, um, I think you really have a chance to do something special. So we will see. Mitchell, I will thank you for joining and filling in. You are always very willing to do so when either I have to miss or Frank has to miss, and we are always very appreciative of that. Thank you. You are more than welcome. I always relish the chance to get called up from the (laughs) D-League. One, don't make that mistake. It's the G League. Uh, And two, we're so so very happy to call you up. Uh, So uh, Friday night, I will remind you, uh, no Bucks game. It will be on Saturday night. But if you are in the Milwaukee area, the Wisconsin Herd are playing in the Bradley Center. And for that season opener on Friday night, you can get a free ticket. I think all you have to do is go to whatever their website is. I would assume it's wisconsinherd.com. Um I have to do is go to their website and I think you can just get a free ticket there. Uh, so if you want to go watch some basketball on a Friday night and I mean, essentially I can't imagine parking is going to be all too bad and I'm busy. Like I'd assume concessions are probably a little bit cheaper. Like all you got to do is pay for the food. If you want to eat there or eat before you come and then you don't have to pay for anything. You can watch professional basketball. Even if it is just the G league, you can watch professional basketball in the Bradley uh, Eric, Center. It's, Xavier Munford is going to be there. Like, that's a big get. Both uh, Brown brothers? Both Brown brothers? You got the Brown brothers in the building? That, like, how, how... They can't just give these tickets away. That's, that's preposterous. They're, they're just losing money hand over fist. Everybody who doesn't go to that game is foolish. I'm saying it right now. Don't at me. <laughs> okay. I, I will allow it. Uh, but, yeah. Um, I think I'll probably end up being there tomorrow night. Uh, but, yeah, you can check out some some good basketball and uh, do that for free on Friday night. The Bucks on Saturday night will take on the Dallas Mavericks. Frank and I will record on Sunday uh, to get you ready uh, to recap the game and then get you ready for Monday's game against the Washington Wizards. So, for Mitchell Maurer, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. And a quick reminder... The Milwaukee Bucks are still undefeated in the Eric Bledsoe era. We'll talk to you later.